Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening all, how are we? Um, I'm going to come to you first, Dojo Girl. Whenever you're ready, what's your question? Hi Tracy. Hello. Um, I've been listening to you for quite a while now and I just wanted to know, um, I heard you talk about the Form A and the Form E yeah. one. Um, can you just clarify the difference? Is one for if you can have a financial resolution and you're in um, agreement um, no, because so, I'm at a stage so where I'm not sure whether we will agree or not. Okay, so if you don't agree, then the form A is what starts your financial application with the court. Okay, so well, you would lodge a form A in order to begin contested proceedings. So that tells the court that you you just can't reach an agreement. Okay, the form right. A is what you both fill in and exchange whether it's agreed or not if you want to get full exposure of each other's finances, okay? Right. So that's okay. that's the purpose of the Form A. So two very, very different forms. Okay, so Form A1 just starts the proceedings and yeah. then the E1 is the more in-depth detail. Yeah, that's exactly right. Perfect. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, bye. 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 Mart, I'm going to ask you up whenever you're ready. You were up, Mart, and then for some reason you dropped yeah. out. <laughs> What's your question? Yeah, about? I know. I've been then. <laughs> yeah. Right, I got a couple from last week just yeah. to catch up on. And yeah. So the first one is a um, bit of a family issue, but members going through a breakup. Um, they've been married for around 30 years. There's proof she's never contributed to the mortgage. Um, what's the best route to take? As I thought, the new law changed. If there was proof that they can't go for 50-50, they more to go for a lower percentage. Is that all in the male's name and the proof her she has paid everything throughout the marriage? That was odd. Yeah, it was a bit odd. You've also got um, an echo in the background, Mark, so you might want to turn off one of your devices because you're about three seconds behind in the background. Um, I'm not too sure what that question was, if I'm honest with you. Um, bits of it I make think, sense. I think... The, the crux of it all is they've been married for around 30 years. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming the house and everything is in his name. She has not contributed to the mortgage. It doesn't matter. Um, so what... I'll, I'll stop you there, Mark, because that part doesn't matter. If you're married for that length of time, it doesn't matter who brought what into the relationship. The starting point's still going to be 50-50. So he's not going to be able to claim back the fact that he's made all these mortgage repayments over 30 years. The court just won't entertain that at all. In fact, if, if he has worked hard and is potentially still working and throughout the marriage she's never worked, she'll get more. 
And I know that's going to, you know, start some controversy, but, you know, there's reasons for that, which I won't go into now. So that answers that part, I think. Do you think there was another part to it, Mark? Um, I think that was it, basically. She was saying, I thought that, um, says you, I thought the law changed if the proof of this, that the the 50-50, that if she hadn't contributed, her percentage would be lower. No. Um, But obviously, as you've stated, no, it's not. No, the law hasn't changed in that at all. The only only law that's changed recently in family was last year when we got rid of the no-fault divorce. That was our last biggest change, really. I got you. Um, The next one I've got for you, Trace, is just wondering if I would have been notified about a divorce petition before my ex-husband has asked for a financial order. Um, you would have received the divorce petition from the court and you would have also received an acknowledgement of service because the court want you to return that to the court. So, yes, it would be very difficult for the other side to get a divorce without the um, you know, respondent knowing anything about it. OK, brilliant. That's all I've got for you for now. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Speak to you later. Yes, Bye. Ciao. Um, Speed, you are next up. Let's try again, see if I can hear you this time. There we go. There we go. Now? I can hear you now. Yeah. What's your question? So my question is, um, so I'm about to go through a divorce and my partner, I think she has a property abroad. I'm just yeah. trying to find it out if that is the case. Yeah. Now, we've only been a year, um, as in February last year, we got married, yeah. uh, but we've been living since August 29, 2018. Yeah. So I just want to understand is, when, when, like, we do the... We have a child as well, and we have to obviously speak equity, because she's moved into my house, sorry, um, and I've been paying the bills. So I'm just trying to work out if the house abroad is is in her name, um, can she still try to take 50% of my house? even though And she, her name is now on it as well, which makes it a bit harder for me. Well, anything is that's that... in a person's name, is it legally belongs to them. So, yeah. Did you say, Speed, that you were married? Did you say you got married? Yeah, we got married okay. in last year in February. Okay. So, so yeah, legally at the moment, if she's named on your property, then she owns yes. 50% of that. And she also okay. owns her own property. Now, yeah, God which forbid, I don't, which my name which isn't on. Your name isn't on, no. And because your no. marriage is so short, she would, mm-hmm. if we were to do something sort of soon, today or in the next mm-hmm. six months or 12 months, um, chances mm-hmm. are she'd get to keep her own house and may even be able to get 50% of yours. But the, long, the longer the marriage goes on, the more it doesn't really matter whose name things are in because they'll become absorbed into the marriage. So eventually that property that she has, which is just in her sole name, will be seen as a marital asset. But you'd need to give uh-huh. it sort of three to four years before that starts to happen. At the moment, it's a very new marriage. Okay, so, okay, so, right, (laughs) obviously, yeah, we're not going to continue, clearly can't continue, so, yeah, yeah, it might just be a case of, I'm going to have to lose (laughs) out. Yeah, well, but then then you see what we'd argue is, well, are both parties' housing needs going to be met? So if she keeps the house in Spain and takes half of yours, the court's certainly Mm -hmm. not going to make an order um, that, you know, you're going to be left with no home at all. Um, it mm-hmm. just muddies the waters, the fact that her name is on your property. It's not as clean cut yeah. as it could have been. But, mm-hmm. you know, if if, it, if divorce is inevitable, I would do it sooner rather than later, because the sooner mm-hmm. you do it, the shorter mm-hmm. the marriage, the less she's mm-hmm. going to be able to claim. How long has she been on your okay. property? Uh, since 2020. Okay, so not long, really. Longer than no. the marriage. Um, but yeah, yeah. We, we may be able to remedy that. 
But I, I would say, oh, he's gone. He's dropped out. I don't know what happened there. He just dropped out of the uh, off the stage. Megan, I'm going to come to you again. Hopefully, I'll be able to hear you. Hello. 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 Can you hear Hello. Me? I can hear you. Yeah. What's your question? Um, basically, uh, my partner has got a, a first court date here for the financial side of her divorce. Yeah. I was just wondering, on the first hearing, do they give a guidance? Is, it, is that the way it works and why there are only three hearings as to what is acceptable? So, what, so on the first hearing, what, what is likely to be said? So, so the first hearing in finance will be what's called a directions hearing. Basically, the court want to know what else do you guys need in the form of evidence? What other things do you need in order to help you reach a settlement if you haven't already? And typically, the directions that are made at a first appointment will be, well, we don't agree the value of the property, so we need to get a valuer to do that. Or we might still be waiting on one person's pension valuation. We may have asked some questions of their me that we've just exchanged, and now we need to get the answers back before we can make any offers. So that's all that happens at the first one. It's at the second one that the court will give an indication as to how, if the court were deciding it on the second one, what they would what they would decide. But they really are hoping at the second one that the parties settle. And the majority of cases will settle at the second one, if I'm being honest, because by the time you get to the yeah. second one, you've generally got all your evidence in. It's all there and there isn't too much more that we're waiting on. So then it will come just it will come then down to generally legal argument. One person says, I really am entitled to 60 percent. The other person says, no, I'm entitled to 60 percent. So that's where, if you still can't agree, it will pass over to the third one. And at that third one, the court's going to decide, regardless of what you guys want. The court will decide. Does that help? OK. So it's a, Yeah, so basically the first one is just sorting out the technical side of it all, making sure we've got everything. What happens if one's blatantly telling lies, which I'm assuming happens all the time when somebody's trying to hide things? Well, it, it does happen. So you, you would ask in your questionnaire you would ask questions that would help you determine that they're telling lies. Okay, yeah, that's um, that's basically what I wanted to know, which directions yeah. we're going to go from the, the first hearing. All right, then. Well, all the best. Lovely. Thanks very You're much. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. Ali, you are up next. I'm going to, um, I've invited you to the stage whenever you're ready. And after Ali, I've got Andy. Guys, for those of you that are thinking about putting your hand up, the lounge is fairly quiet this evening. Um, generally, it does go quiet during the summer because obviously people are on their holidays. So now's the time to ask the question. Um, Ali, I'm going to come to you first. What's your question? Hi, Tracy. Uh, I've been looking at your videos for a while now and I've been on Discord uh, for a while now. Yeah. Uh, basically, I waited for the no-fault divorce last year because previous to that, I've been separated from the missus about three years now, nearly. Yeah. So this has been ongoing. She doesn't want a divorce. I waited for the no-fault divorce last year. Uh, last year I submitted the application and she tried to uh, block the divorce uh, several times it didn't work so I got a conditional order suddenly before I received the final order within one week she used the solicitor because she's getting legal aid she used the solicitor and put a D11 stay until finance is sorted yeah so after that she's trying every legal means to block the divorce she doesn't want me to, she doesn't want to divorce me so now, after this, she's done mediation, financial mediation. After the mediator told her if she was to receive a lump sum uh, when we sell the property, the fine, everything I have and everything is split. If she receives a lump sum above 16 grand, then uh, she'll lose her benefit. Because of that reason, now two months now, 
She doesn't move anything. She doesn't want to do anything. And now a D11 stay has been put on. Uh, so I'm trying to appeal that one to get rid of it. And I just want my final order. I feel like it's like 13 months. I still can't get a final order paper. No, and you won't get the final order because she's put a stay in, which for those of you that are listening and don't know what that means, you just press the pause button on the divorce. What she's saying is I don't want to get fully divorced until we've sorted the finances out. The quickest way to lift that stay, Ali, is just to sort out the finances. If she's not willing to negotiate a settlement with you, then it may be that you need to make the court application just to move things along. Sorry, uh, Tracy, I've already done that. I've got uh, September, the oh, first court date. Really? Because, yeah, I've already okay. started. I'm a lit okay. litigant in person, okay, so yeah. I can't afford uh, barristers or solicitors. Yeah. I'm trying to get advice and all that from solicitors. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I've got a first, uh, first appointment on yeah. September. Yeah. But uh, I spoke to a solicitor. A solicitor is trying to delay as well. She's saying my uh, client, I'm applying for legal aid for my client, so right. she might not be able to turn up for uh, uh, September. So the Form C said uh, we should be exchanging uh, in Form August. Is, yeah. I spoke to the solicitor. I said, would you be willing to exchange? She said, no, because I'm applying for legal aid for my client. I don't know whether she will get it or not. Uh, so if she doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. So sorry, we can't exchange uh, for me in August. So she might not even turn up in court uh, in September. So I've what, submitted everything. Yeah. What will, what sorry, will, that's sorry. Okay. That's okay. What will happen is if, if they're not ready to proceed, then they will need to, they'll still need to attend court and they'll need to tell the court that they're not ready to proceed and they're going to be asking for an adjournment. Okay. And then what you need to do, Ali, is let the court know that this has been dragging on and on for over a year now and that your ex has had plenty of time to sort this out and, you know, it's wasting your time and some of your costs, so you're spending money, even if you're just having the odd hour of advice from a solicitor or whatever it might be, and that, you know, you want the court to take that into consideration. But essentially, if, if you were not ready to proceed, the court will give an adjournment and push it back three months but they'll only give an adjournment once, you know, at the second hearing, if she's still not ready, there'll be questions to answer because the court also want to get it out of the list. They want to move it along. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the thing is, second thing is, uh, for the divorce side of things, I'm going to court for that thing yeah. because I've resubmitted a D11 myself yeah. and uh, the judge said, basically, the previous judge made a... Uh, order uh, general order regarding her stay wasn't it should have gone to court instead of him just uh, signing it off and just saying yep the stay stays on so i'm going to court uh, maybe this month i haven't got a date yet yeah so i'm going to explain to them that she's basically trying every legal means yeah, just yeah. to delay the application yeah absolutely you can you, you can do that i mean the court the court might still keep the stay because if the court decide to move forward with the divorce and it compromises her financially, then obviously that's appealable. So the court's going to tread with caution, but give it your best shot, Ali. You've got nothing to lose. And as you're doing it yourself, it's not costing you anything either. So, yeah, I'd crack on. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. You're Thank welcome. you for everything. No problem. Bye. Um, Andy, you are up next. Let me take you off mute. What's your question? Tracy, thank you for taking my question. Okay. Um, so, same bit of a second point in terms of seeing my children. Uh, me and my wife split uh, just at the end of November there last year. Um, she, I, I was arrested for very old age. Uh, 
there was no marks in her body, no medicals, no no DNA, DNA, nothing whatsoever, which I was so surprised I got charged for that. Now, I'm in a position where the, the police still haven't handed any papers over um, to, the, to the PPS. Um, it's now been adjourned eight times in this time, and it's preventing me from seeing my children. Um, social services basically have told me that I don't care and that um, I won't see them, even though I've never been in trouble with the police or never had any charges against me in my life. I'm just wondering how, like, how long can the police hold on to this before I hand them papers over, or how long will it be before the courts will, will actually do something about this instead of letting it run on, because it's nearly a year now without seeing my children. Is is the is the court in 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 England, Andy? Um, it's actually not. It's in Northern Ireland, yeah. so it is. Yeah. So I I don't practice over there, which is why I wanted just to check first of all. Um, I wouldn't know is the honest answer because it will. It's a different jurisdiction to where I practice. Um, it, if it runs similar to England, and I don't know if it does, but if it does run similar similar to England, then the court won't proceed until the criminal investigation has concluded. So that's really frustrating um, because the criminal um, side of things could just go on and on and on. And it all comes down to resource at the end of the day, which I know is really unfair. But again, don't don't quote me on that, Andy, because I don't practice in Northern Ireland. If it was in England, like, is there a time limit on how long the police get before handing this no, over? Like, Because no. this is coming close to yeah, a year now. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it, it can go on and on months. I, I had a client in a similar position to you and the police kept hold of papers for in excess of nine months. Um, and then we got oh, back to the to the family proceedings, but then it all kicked off again and it was another six months. So uh, there's there's um, no there's no rhyme nor reason to it in the UK. It's just whenever they can get to deal with it, really. Okay. And would you would you recommend going ahead as it is with family proceedings or would you recommend holding off because my solicitor hasn't done anything for me in terms of going through family court yet? I mean, look, you know, you, you haven't seen your children in such a long time. If you were over in England and the kids were in England, I would be saying, look, you know, it may be something that doesn't impact the contact that you're asking for. You know, if you're asking for supervised contact or FaceTime contact, I don't know how old the children are, but it might be that the that the court could ab agree that um, without knowing the outcome of the criminal. It, it's difficult for me to know because I don't know enough about your case. And, of course, you're in Northern Ireland. But, you know, you've, you've got nothing to lose. I mean, the worst that can happen is a, a judge says, no, I want to wait until the criminal stuff's finished. Okay. okay. No, that's, that's no problem. I understand. Well, thank you very much for you're taking welcome. my question. No problem. All right, then. Thanks, Andy. All the best. Thanks. Ray, what's your question? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, what's your question? Hi, uh, so um, the first day for exchanging documents was done. Yeah. Uh, that was yesterday. Yeah. And I've got his documents, but he's only given like one month bank statement or six months bank statement for him, something else. And what he's done is he's tried to show his father and mother's house, which, which is actually in his grandparents' name. He's tried to do a family tree to say in future he will get this much but it's all currently in court. I don't know why he's brought that to try and show ancestry or to sorry, just sorry, Brian, play with what, what has he brought into court? I missed that last So, so Sorry. So uh, he has provided a document which shows um, the, his, his mother living in the house, which is, in, which, which is currently in his, the grandparents' name. Right. Okay. And there are five children who are actually claiming their rights on it. Yeah. But he's tried to show a family tree to say this is how much each one will get because this is the value of it. And 
because he's the children of one, this is how much he will get in the future. Yeah, but what, what, so what... I don't understand why, is that, is that something that you do for a financial disclosure of marital assets? Brave, if the property isn't in his name, it won't even form part of these proceedings. So if the property is in the grandparents' name, it's got nothing to do with the marriage, it's not his. It's not his. So he's tried to provide things like that, and he's only given some documents. I know in, in I think, 14 days before the hearing, I'm supposed to send across um, a, a questionnaire to him and yeah. to the court with, you yeah. know, um, things about that he's not disclosed. So yeah. there are bank accounts which are not mentioned. Yeah. He's given me one statement for one month here or six months there for another bank account. Yeah. And... Um, he has raised issues of a point that I don't have. He wants to go against equality of division, stating that I was, I had traveled for medical reasons. So I was not living here with him. Okay, I'm going to jump in, Brave, because um, I I sense, I I kind of think I know where you're going with this and what your question will will eventually be. Worry less about what he is saying, okay? You go through his documents and you raise a question a questionnaire Mm. of questions that you have. Don't Mm. be concerned about documents that he's put in that aren't aren't relevant. That's fine. The court court simply won't give any weight to those documents, okay? So what you need to do is just put together a questionnaire of questions that you have for things that you don't understand, things that you feel that are missing, bank statements, credit card statements, or what have you. His legal arguments will be considered by the judge. All right. So if you feel that he raises an argument that may carry some weight and you want to get legal advice on that, that's not something that you would come on here to discuss because, you know, you would need to take some legal advice from a solicitor about that. But the next step for you, absolutely get that questionnaire together and obviously Mm. your preliminary documents for the court, your chronology, etc. Okay. And I send a copy to the court and to his solicitor. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah. And the court is not the one which is in my locality where, where I'm going to have my hearing, but it's where I send all the documents on the, the address that's given to us. It's, to send documents. Wherever the court have told you to send the documents, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Brave. Thank, Bye. Thanks, Tracy. Bye. Surely I'm going to invite you up. There's no connection, busy mom. I'm so sorry. I'm going to pop you back into the audience. Surely, can I hear you? No. Hi, Tracy. Can oh, you hear me? Can. Yeah. What's your question? Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, just a quick question. I hope it might help other people. Yeah. I was listening to something today about um, arbitration. Yeah. Um, when do you do you ever recommend that to your clients? And would you suggest mediation first and then arbitration? Hundred percent. Absolutely, hundred percent. Because the more that you go down a dictated route a litigated route i.e court ultimately the less happy you're going to be with the outcome so mediation is definitely Mm. step one even even when people are in court because sometimes clients will come to me and they're already in court and i will say look has there been a real good attempt at mediation and they will say no not yet and i'll say well look let's at least try that let's let's adjourn the next hearing and let's give mediation a go because mediation is far more 
conciliatory you know it's far more open mm -hmm. you can you can be way more open with each other um you can take your time you know you can book in with the mediator far quicker than waiting for a court hearing and the mediator will help to take mm -hmm. the sting out of things well a good one should so because obviously family law is so emotionally driven that if you get a good mediator and you get two parties in there that have got high emotions, one might be upset, one might be angry, a good mediator is going to be able to diffuse that situation and help them to facilitate an agreement. Whereas in court, it, the emotions are just left at the door and it's all down to the evidence and the power of persuasion. And it can be, you know, court doesn't suit everybody. Do you know what I mean? It just, there are those parties that want to fight it out in court, but the majority of people, they don't want to do that. So 100% mediation first, every time. Great. Thanks ever so much, Tracy. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Angel, you are next up. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. I was just wondering if... Um, so I'm going for court, and I was just wondering, we've been told that there needs to be a Section 7 out on my daughter. I was just wondering, do you know what that really entails? So a Section 7 report is compiled by CAFCAS, and it's all around the wishes and feelings of the children or the child. So um, it's where mom has one position, dad has one position. The court's going to find it difficult to decide between the two because we've got two very biased positions. So CAFCAS are that third party impartial um, advisor to the court, really. So they will speak to the children if they're able to, i.e. if the children are old enough. Um, they will speak to the parents. They might even see the children at school or nursery, which may involve, you know, a chat with the school teacher or what have you. And from their um, gathering of information, they will then make recommendations to the court as to what they think is in the best interest of the children. And that might be children live with mum and see dad, you know, three times per week or children live with dad. Or it might even be there should be a shared care arrangement. So they will make those recommendations, okay. and then this, and that's that's the, in in the section seven report. Okay, perfect. Would they come to the house to uh, see the child, or will it be done in a different location? You know? it, it will depend. That will come down to the actual Kafka's officer. Sometimes it will be in the house, and they maybe go up to the child's mm -hmm. bedroom with the child and speak privately. Again, depending on the age of the child. Sometimes it will happen um, yep. at school. Um, sometimes it will happen yeah. after school, maybe, you know, somewhere else, um, if, you know, if the child's a teenager, for example. Um, so it, that will all depend mm -hmm. on the... But the CAFCAS officer is usually fairly open at the beginning and will let both parties know exactly what's going on. OK, perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Mark, let me come back to you and see if I can hear you. Mark? Yeah. Oh, hello. I've, I've, got, I've got you now. Don't. Doctor is 18 going to university in September and yeah. will be still living at home while court... Will the court side with my ex-husband and make me sell the family home? House is paid in full, no mortgage, also don't have anywhere else for us to go. Yeah. So if children are over 18, um, then they won't be part of the equation anymore. So it won't influence the court when it comes to who gets the house. But there are other factors that we look at as well. So it's not necessarily that, well, we've got no under 18, it's going to have to be sold. We're going to look at the age of the parties. We're going to look at if, it, if anyone has any medical problems that we need to be aware of that might stop them from earning. We're going to be looking at earning capacity. So there's lots of things there. So it's, it's a solid question, but it really would need some proper legal advice to just do a bit more of a deeper dive. 
Yeah, no worries. Um, the next one is, I'm in the middle of a custody battle with my ex-wife. The children yeah. are two and five. Yeah. It's in court order that my order, my, my older children can join contact, but it doesn't specify if anyone can't join. I'm doing community contact, supervised, unsupervised, and my ex... Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah, yeah. Uh, my ex um, is trying to dictate who can and can't see the children. Um, I think the question is, does the, the ex have uh, a right to say, with unsupervised in the community, who the children are introduced to? No. So um, if you have parental responsibility and you're having contact with that child, while the child is in your care, you make the decisions as to who the child meets, spends time with, what the child eats, what the child wears, what the child watches on television. That's all part of having parental responsibility. Now, as long as you're keeping that child safe and warm um, and out of danger, then no, the other parent cannot dictate. If the other parent has safeguarding concerns with who you are introducing the child to, well, then that needs to be raised at court. And obviously, it's all relative. So when I say that, you know, some parents might take the kids down the pub all day Saturday and think that's absolutely fine. Clearly, that's not appropriate. So, you know, you've got to um, exercise your PR appropriately. But no, the other side can't dictate. No worries. Happy days. Yeah. And one last quick one. I was in the court last month. Um, Kafka and my ex came up with two phone calls and two video calls. Yeah. And then back in the court, the first one was late by 10 minutes. She tried to change the time for the next one. Yeah. Um, it came to a video call. That never happened. All I'm getting is that he doesn't, he doesn't want to video call. Where do I stand with this? Um, back in the court at the end of this month, she has broken the court, court order again. So, well, so it's the child that doesn't want to do the video call. Is that what you said? The, the yeah, that's yeah. what it is coming across. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd be asking why. I mean, you know, is this because the child doesn't want to do it or is this at the hands of mum? Um, and, and obviously, you know, when you go back to court, because that, that's ultimately what's going to happen, you've really got to push mum to explain why the child doesn't want to do a video call. Um, that might be down to the age. It might be down to the fact that the kid's older and wants something else to do. I don't know. But it must be brought to the court's yeah. attention because ultimately the, what the, the law is clear, and I say this all the time, it's very clear, the child has a right to have a relationship with both parents. And typically, um, you know, children won't pick one over the other. Typically, if, if parents don't influence children, then children will love their parents unconditionally. So generally, when a child takes mm -hmm. a view, there is some form of influence happening in the background. Yes, Trace, thanks. Bye-bye. I'm going to go back round to Busy Mum and see if I can hear you. Can I? Hello. Hello, there we go. Hi. I can hear you now. Hi. Um, what I want to ask is um, my ex-husband, he's saying he'll only pay child maintenance or um, half the mortgage and not both. Yeah. But where do I stand with that? Because I'm not sure. Right. Well, the child maintenance isn't a family law question. So you just go to CMS and whatever you're entitled to, it, that, that's separate to the, the legal side of things. Um, with with right. regard to whether or not you're entitled to spaz or maintenance, which would be what the um, uh, your question is about the mortgage, you're going to have to take some legal advice on that. Okay. Um. 
with the um, legal aid, because I've been, I've spent quite a lot on, I've had to do like fat find hearing and yeah. um, occupation and everything else. Where do I stand with claiming legal aid? Because um, obviously we've got the house with the mortgage. Yeah. And um, I'm struggling to find someone that does legal aid. Yeah, it, it can be difficult um, just because there, are, there aren't a lot of legal aid solicitors around the country and those that we do have are incredibly busy. All I can tell you is you just keep searching. You know, it might be that you have to go on a waiting list, but if you qualify for legal aid, then you, you just keep searching until you get one, a legal aid solicitor that can take you on. Okay, because like he keeps pushing the boundaries because he's having supervised visits, and it's just been a, it's just been an absolute nightmare. It's been so stressful. Yeah. Because he keeps he's like quite abusive towards he's been quite abusive towards me and the children, and that's yeah. why I left. Yeah. But he won't accept any responsibility, although he's been proven that he it did happen yeah. um, to me. But he will still not take any accountability, so it's really really difficult. Right, got you. Okay. Well, all the best with getting a legal aid solicitor. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Uh, next up is Lucy. Lucy, whenever you're ready, what's your question? Hiya, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Um. So basically, I'm in a lesbian relationship. Yeah. Um. Had a son three months ago. Yeah. Um. Obviously not with my partner. Um. But we were wanting to get her on the birth certificate because obviously... The, the dad doesn't want anything to do with with my son. He's made it very clear. I have tried multiple times to try and get him in contact with him, but he didn't want anything to do with him. We was told if if we got married, then she, she could have been on the birth certificate. Does that still stand um, when he is born? It does, but if the birth certificate has all... You know, if the birth certificate reflects the biological father then it's going to be in, in extremely difficult to change that now. But what your partner can ask for, if she's living with the child, and obviously if the child's living with you, then she will be, is parental responsibility. So I would be suggesting that you chase that route more than having her on the birth certificate. Because with parental responsibility, it'll be exactly the same as being on the birth certificate. And that birth certificate right. will actually show the true biology for your son in later years do you know what i mean so i think yeah that... so how would you go about doing the parental responsibility okay. so you can either enter into an agreement with you and dad so as long as dad's in agreement then the three of you you can download a parental responsibility agreement from the government website and you'd all sign it send it into court if dad doesn't agree then you need to make an application to the court so you, right okay yeah. yeah you would just make a normal application and as a rule of thumb if your partner is living with you and the child then they will get parental responsibility all right thank you for that i appreciate that no problem thanks bye thank you bye jody you are next up just before i come to jody actually somebody on tiktok has said that legal aid isn't available in the uk not strictly true. Um, we need to be really careful as well when we're talking about the UK. I only practice in England and Wales, so I never refer to it as, as the UK, um, just England and Wales. You can get legal aid for family law in England and Wales, but it's generally where there has been domestic violence involved. Um, and that's what narrows the scope. We used to get it for everything before, but now the scope's really narrowed um, because it's uh, it's domestic violence related. 
Right, who is next up? Jodie, let me just take you off mute, Jodie. What's your question? Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now, yeah. What's your question, Jodie? Lovely. Um, so I've just been through the family court process um, and the um, father to my children has been um, granted like a semi-50-50 um, access. Yeah. Um, and But it's all gone in the favour of his working pattern, which is like a four-on-four-off pattern. And none of my working patterns been considered. And I didn't know where I would stand if I can sort of change that or request to change that. So, so well, first of all, let's start with why you want to. Um, because his far-on-far-off working pattern yeah. is um, different days. It okay. falls on, on different days of the week. So yeah. it's not a continuous pattern. Yeah. Um, and so for some of them days, my working pattern means that I don't get any, like contact with the children during them times because I have to go to work. I see. Okay. Um, I think the difficulty that you've got and, and I think the difficulty that the court may um, find when they're trying to implement what you both want is that if we're not going to adhere to dad's working pattern because obviously you lose out and we then switch to adhere to your work pattern, which I totally get, I totally get why you would, why you would want to do that, then dad might lose out. So I suppose the yeah, trick, that, yeah, the, yeah. Sorry, that was that was my point. I'm I'm not. I'm trying to come to. I'm trying to think of a reasonable, yeah. you know, solution. Yeah, yeah, between yeah. the two of our working yeah. patterns. But I didn't know if that would be considered by the court Absolutely. or Absolutely. not. It's so, just been implemented that way. Yeah, no, it will definitely be considered. How the how the court will approach it, Jody, is the first thing they're going to look at is why does mum want to change it. And the reason that you yeah. gave me is a genuine one and one the court will listen to. Um, and two, right. it's then, well, OK, let's look at Jodie's proposal. Is that still in the best interest of the child? And of course, if your mm -hmm. proposal shows that actually this way, Judge, they're going to have weekends with dad and weekends with me. And I'm not just mm -hmm. always there, you know, getting them ready for school and dropping them off. Then that's got to be yeah. in the kid's best interest, hasn't it? So absolutely, yeah. the, the skill will be in keeping it fair, but fair for the children, not necessarily mum and dad at the same time, because that might yeah. be difficult. And do you know how I would go about, um, like, how would I go about approaching the court to see if I can get, like, a variation in the court order? It has, the court order has only been going on for one month now. Okay, so you, you if dad isn't in agreement, because if you and him can agree, then you don't actually no. need to go back to court. If dad can't mm. agree, then you need to make the application to vary. And if you go onto right, the government okay. website, you, you can get, you can just, just put in application to vary a children's order. And it will not only bring you up the form, but it will bring you up all the helpful notes as well and the costs and everything. But that's what you're looking for, an application right. to vary a children's order. Brilliant. Thank you all so right. much. Pleasure. No problem. Bye. Bye. Oh, hello, Bye. Dipstick. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. What's your question? Uh, my question is, how often would a court separate half-siblings? How often? What do you mean, how often? Is it is it a common thing that they would separate half-siblings? If there were no other siblings from either side, um, and one of the parents is wanting a 50-50, and the other one is wanting a more um, structured routine that they had before, like the... Um, alternate weekends, for instance, so that the children actually stay together within their routines. Um, is that something that the court would look at? 
um, regardless of whether they were full siblings or half siblings. So the starting point there is going to be what's the status quo? So the status quo meaning what are the children's routine to this point? Are they living together or are they not living together? Regardless of the fact that they're half siblings or not, we're going to be looking at what the current position is. That's the starting point. Um, okay. And then it will be what's in the best interest of the children. So, mm-hmm. you know, if the current position is a 50-50, there's every chance the court's going to keep that going. The, before, before the 50-50 was put in place for the school holidays, the children were living together. Right. So, so the so just the answer to my question is that they live together. Is that right? Yes. But yes. Well, then there we go. So that's the status quo. So then, answering your original question, is it likely that the court will then separate them in order to accommodate parents? I suspect not, because if the children have always lived together, then there's every chance they will keep them together. As long as both parents have got PR of both children, you know, as long as you know all things. Everything no, else. No, they don't. They don't have. They oh, don't see, have. Um... That, cha- that changes things then. So what I'm going to suggest to you, because obviously I'm only getting, you know, your story I'm... in piecemeal. So you really need to take yeah. some advice on that one. Yeah, it, the child, the the two children are both mine. Yeah. One of the children is is the the partner, the ex partner who is going for fifty fifty of the the child. Yeah. The other child's father died, so there's no um, PR with with this, the other sibling. Yeah. Um, we we moved out. We, they've lived together all of the little one's life, um, and um, only weeks before we separated, I moved out, and then there was an interim hearing, which was to put something in place after I'd left the property. So we we remained doing the status quo as up until a 50-50 was put into place for um, the holidays. So is the status quo now the 50-50 or is it what it was previously? It's generally no, because things change over the holidays. Because, you know, it's it's a lot easier. We, we haven't got a routine in the holidays. So I think, you know, okay. you, you would want to argue that the status quo is is as per... The holiday, you know, before the holidays, but it depends what happens after the holidays, really. Yeah, that that's my my concern. I, I'm going into a final hearing with um, domestic abuse issues, right. um, and, and also um, sibling separation. Yeah. Um, that that it's not in either of them's best interest to yeah. be separated. Yeah. And, and 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 just just keep arguing that. I think that's the best you can do. Yes, lovely. Thank you for that. You're welcome. No problem. Bye. Bye. Lynn, you are next up. What's your question? Hey, uh, for some reasons, the volume just went down when I accepted oh. this. So I'm okay. not sure if I can hear properly. Oh, I can hear but you, can you loud, hear me? And clear. loud and clear. Yeah. Okay. My question is, um, I've been divorced two years now. And I think the question it's unfortunate that the divorce went through yeah. uh, without the financial order. I've got two questions to ask. So it went through without the financial order and um, it just didn't disclose. He was making um, up, hiding um, his salaries and his uh, business and also and all sorts. So I'm not sure how to go about this. And the second question is also, we have properties outside in, in Africa, which he says he has sold them, so I'm really unable to, I might have to go and find out. 
but how do I move on from there to in order to get support and not lose out? We've got a mortgage together here. I think that's the most important thing. Our children are all below the age of um, 18, 16, and, and nine years old. The second question, he we had a child arrangement order, which was put in place that he has the children after every two weeks. It was fortnightly weekends, um, but he never followed it through. Um, it's just that I, I continue to encourage it. So the child was able to contact his dad and the dad would collect him as per when the child requested or as per when the father makes himself available. Um, the question now is, um, he, with regards to child maintenance, he has refused his making up all sorts in order not to pay child maintenance. He owes a lot of money because I was able to put child maintenance straight away. Uh, but he's now telling child maintenance that he has shared care, which is also really impacting on financially what he, he needs to provide for the children. How do I go about it? So, uh, Lynn, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know what question um, to answer first. Uh, okay. With, with, with regard to the child maintenance issues, they're, they're not really family law questions, and, and, and I say that all the time. So the maintenance questions, I can't help you. You're going to have to go I've, back to CMS for I've that stopped one. contact. I've stopped contact because it's, it's impacting on, on... It's making lies in order to benefit, you know, which is not the right thing. You know, he is neglecting his children's financial needs as well. Okay, so I'll say it again, Lynn. When it comes to maintenance, nothing to do with, with the family law, okay? So if you feel that he's not paying enough maintenance and he should be paying more, go back to CMS. So that, that's all I'll say on that. I think your very first question, I think, was around finance. There's a joint mortgage together, but I didn't quite hear the question. What, what was the question there? The question was, um, the divorce went ahead without a financial order. How do I move on from there? Right, so you can get a financial order one of two ways, by agreement, so by consent, or by the court. The court will, will make an order. So if you and your husband aren't in agreement, which I'm assuming you're not, then you would have yes. to make an application to the court using a Form A. And that's going to trigger a financial application. So that's that's Thank that. You. That's how you do that. And then was there another question about child contact? I think yes. Basically, never followed the court arrangements order, and right. now that's where he's now using it in order to child maintenance, saying he has shared care in in order to hide his finances and to get away from that. Yeah. So, so the order that you have at the moment says it's a shared care arrangement. Is that right? It, it, it says contact. It's not a shared care arrangement. It said contact every fortnightly, which he never dared to. Okay. I suspect that's not going to affect the CMS payout an awful lot if he's only having once a fortnight contact or what have you. But in any event, um, you you simply need to... Uh, well, you can do one of two things. You can stop contact as you have done, um, if he's not having contact anyway, and do no more. Or if you really wanted to, you could go back and ask for the order to be reflected um, to show the current position. My suggestion would be to do nothing um, because the children are all with you. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank you're, you very much. You're welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Lynn. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, Black, what is your question? Hi, Tracy. Hello. Um, thank you for this opportunity. That's okay. Um, so I've got like um, a domestic violence and abuse case in the courts. Yeah. And 
obviously the judge has um, given like a restraining order, like non-molestation order between I and my partner. Yeah. He has not been in the house for a very long time. But um, part of the case, he has submitted a prenuptial agreement, which I never signed. And he has quickly gone to um, apply to file a petition for a divorce. Now, I don't know what to do regarding that. And then secondly, I'm being threatened by his solicitor with emails asking me to send um, statements whereby um, the judge has already given an order and I've complied strictly with the order given by the judge. I don't know what to do. Um, so if you've complied strictly with the order, what's the other side's issue? What are the they other saying? side's is issue is obviously they failed to comply with their own response to my statement. And I think they are trying to like look for a way to like get an excuse yeah. to say I'm the one delaying them which I feel is not, although I've replied her email telling her that I've complied with the court's order and she, if she's got any issues with that, she should go back to the court and not me in particular. My concern now is how do I handle her because I have also told her that if she comes back to me, I'm going to report her to the Solicitor's Regulation Authority. Yeah. Um, that's it. So I don't know how to handle this and the part of the prenuptial agreement, which I never signed. I think if you haven't signed a prenup, then the court's not going to place much weight on it. You know, there's a test that we apply if we're going to rely on a prenuptial agreement. And that is one, it's been signed by both of you. Um, but two, that it, you've both had independent legal advice. The um, document he presented, I can see a signature forged as mine there, which I've also noted it to the judge that I never signed that. Okay. Um, under him, I've never I've never seen that form. I've never gotten uh, legal advice and him as well. Okay. So I don't know how that would be um, 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 verified, although okay. the judge says she's going to verify that in the next hearing. And was it also signed by your solicitor? Is there, is there a forged solicitor signature underneath yours? So he's got um, a solicitor as a friend. So his solicitor friend signed under mine, which I don't know, but under his, there's no signature there, okay. no witness under his. Okay. So it sounds to me as if we would easily be able to overturn that. And I'm going to suggest that perhaps the contents of the um, prenuptial agreement, if they were adhered to, in other words, if the court stuck to them, it may be that it's not fair and reasonable. OK, so again, I don't know too much about the context of your of your relationship, the length of your marriage, etc. But any financial order has to be fair and reasonable. So try not to worry too much about the prenup. With regard to the intimidation from the other side, I know it's really hard, but some solicitors, <clears throat> that's just how they operate. And what you've got to do is is don't don't take it personally realize that they're firing off 10, 15, 20 letters a day in this tone and there's nothing personal. They are, that's just how they, I'm not saying it's right, but that's just how some solicitors work that way. They can be fairly aggressive and fairly bullish. Um, and all you have to do really is just, is just sort of hold your nerve um, and, and, you know, don't take it personally. That's the best thing I can tell you really. Thank you, Tracy. She's also said in her email that she's going to write an application to the court that I'm failing to disclose my financial resource, yeah. which I have done that. Yeah. And you know Is what? the court going to honour that? You, you know what? I'd let her make the application. Let her do it. And then when the court speak to that application, when that, what I mean by that is, sorry, when the court get the application, they'll ask you both about it in court. What you want to do is hand up 
the evidence that shows that you had filed your evidence with her before she even made the application. Let her do it. Always try to let the other side hang themselves. My theory always okay. is less is more. You know, if you've got someone, if your opponent is shouting and screaming and jumping up and down, they're usually the easiest ones to knock over. Because all we're going to do is just stand back quietly, a bit like the hare and the tortoise. We're going to stand back quietly and let them do damage to their own case. Okay? Don't be intimidated Brilliant. is what I'm trying to say. Okay. All Thank right? you, Tracy. No problem. Okay, bye. Bye. Um, Larry, you are up next whenever you're ready. What's your question? Hiya, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Marvellous. Um, so I have a SGO order with my partner's nephew. He's been living with us for about a year now. Yeah. Um, the agreement was uh, contact with mum was uh, once every two months. Yeah. But she's not made any contact with us. Um, I don't know if we need to make contact with her. Not really. Um, we can't force anyone to have contact, really. That's the sad thing. Um, all you can do is keep encouraging it when it comes. Obviously, goes without saying, the best interest of the child. So what we don't want to encourage is intermittent contact, and she can do it whenever she wants to. Um, but always leave the door half open, not only for them, but also for the child. You know, we want to we, we want to kind of display a communication that, you know, OK, this might not be the norm, but this is our norm. And, and you know, eventually there's going to be an opportunity to have a relationship between um, the, the parent and the child. But you can't force them. Uh, and I know that's difficult because, you you know, you want them to, to be in the child's life. Yeah. Um, obviously, when when we got the SGO granted, yeah. um, a couple of days after, we did actually find out that she had lied throughout the whole three years that she had, um, that the children had been in our care um, and that she she's failed every single drug test um, and lied about a relationship that she had with the... With, with someone else, um, the, the the day that the SGO got granted, um, she was actually on her way to prison to go and pick up her new partner. It's it's really difficult, isn't it, when, when people are suffering with addictions, um, and I'm not making excuses, mm. but you're not actually dealing with that person. You know what I mean? If we, if we could take away the addiction, you'd be left with, with a, a very rational, normal person. So it's really hard, isn't it? Because you say to me, and I believe you, you know, she lied and, and all, you know, for three years, but it, it was the addiction, wasn't it? So that's why I always say, mm. as difficult as it is, obviously protect the children, which is what you're doing, but always keep that door half open. Because if nothing else, as that child gets, gets older, curiosity will prevail. Um, you know, everybody mm. wants to know where they've come from um, and it will get the better of, of them and, and they're going to want to reach out mm. and potentially have a relationship, whatever, you know, form of relationship that is. Um, so, yeah, he, I mean, he's not seen his mum since the 15th of December last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it look it, and but not it, even mentioned anything about yeah. wanting to see her either. But he's starting to get to that age now where he wants a Facebook account. But we're a little bit wary of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you want to do as much as you can to protect them, um, w without sort of you know shutting and bolting that door completely. But you you can't force mm. them, unfortunately. You just have to let mum. You know, she she'll come back when she's ready, and that that's quite sad. Yeah. But, 
that's the sadness of addiction really isn't it yeah all right Great. thank you you're welcome thanks then bye Guys, that hour's flown by. Um, we actually have come to the end of our family law hour. Uh, I'm going to be back here again on Thursday, uh, again, six till seven for another family law hour. I hope that those of you that managed to ask me a question and I hope you found the answers useful. I hope those of you that are listening find it useful. Um, apologies to those of you still in the Discord with your hands up. I am back here Thursday at six, so be sure to get here earlier. We always really get we get busy, really busy at the last half hour of Discord. Maybe I should push it back to half six, half seven. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'm back here Thursday at six, so by all means, join me again in the lounge, and I'll hopefully be able to answer some more of your questions. Until then, guys, take care and see you Thursday. Bye.